Good morning. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 2, verse 13 to 25. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That is what we'll be looking to today. The deciding factor in all religions and all relationships and all life really is who they or you believe Jesus to be. We have said this series in John is all about believe and live. We have claimed this book of John is filled with Christ. But if we do not start with a proper identity of Christ as the Christ, the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, all else will be of no real value. The miracle of the wine was one which helped the disciples identify him and believe in him. We looked to that just a couple weeks ago. We continue today with more of the story. The story continues, and with this story, we see Christ's deity and identity further shown. Who is Jesus? He is the Lamb and Lion of God. Follow as I read John 2, 13 to 25. As we read, keep in mind where we have been as we see where we are going. Jesus has several of his first disciples with him now. He has been baptized by John, and Jesus just came from a wedding in Cana of Galilee and performing a great sign and miracle, changing water to wine. Let's read now. In your Bibles, I do not have it on the screen. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. When they saw the signs that he was doing. Because Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them. Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. There are a few things I want to touch base on here today. One, the Passover image. Two, the scene. The scene that we find here. Three, the identity of Christ and deity of Christ. And finally, application. Application. Actually, application for us will be found in all this. But also some closing application as well. Let's start with the Passover image. I find it interesting that we read here to see a Passover image. Verse 13 starts with stating, The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to 
Jerusalem. Yes, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jerusalem would be crowded with thousands of thousands of visitors coming for Passover. <clears throat> the Temple Mount would especially be crowded. And it should be crowded for worship. For worship. And yet, what did Jesus find when he came up to the Temple Mount? Not worship. He saw many doing business. Bad business. Now, we will talk about the scene a bit more in a moment. But what I first want to point out is this. Jesus here enters the city, Jerusalem, the temple. For Passover, it seems almost unnoticed. Now, after all, his public ministry is only just beginning. Yet later on, he would come at the Passover season riding in on a donkey's colt, being celebrated. Thousands upon thousands shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Well, this is a very different scene here now. John tells us of no less than three Passovers. Yes, the other Gospels tell of Jesus coming at the Passover week of his crucifixion. And they also recount a different cleansing of the temple. But here we see Jesus Christ entering Jerusalem for the Passover several years before. Entering Jerusalem for the Passover several years before. Almost unnoticed. Unnoticed. Now, I said there would be applications throughout this message. Here is one for you now. Does Jesus go unnoticed in your life? Does Jesus go unnoticed in your life? Are you including him, noticing him, allowing him and his teachings to impact you each day and not just some days, years later when you need salvation? Do you every day cry out to Jesus, Hosanna? Or does he cry out to you? Cry out to you. You see, here now, at this Passover, instead of people shouting, celebrating Jesus, Jesus himself is shouting. Jesus himself is shouting, angrily shouting, scolding the people, correcting their actions. Yes, Jesus is angry. Righteously angry. And not just a little angry. He was fuming. He was flipping tables over, grabbing money bags and emptying them out on the ground, scattering the animals. He was causing quite the commotion. I can imagine the animals scurrying, running every which way. I can imagine people scouring all around, scared, but then others rushing to grab the coins off the ground. His anger is a terrifying thing. Jesus even made a whip. And yet this cleansing, even this, was purposed and prophesied. Even this would be a sign for his deity, his authority, his identity, and help in belief. His disciples would recognize this sign, this fulfillment. And the Jewish leaders here, I believe, did too, and would ask of what authority he had for his actions. They wanted him to verify who he was, but his answer would only confuse them more. But why? Why was Jesus so angry? Let's go back to that for a moment. Let's talk about the scene 
now. The scene Jesus walked into, allow me to read this scripture again, verse 13 to 17. Follow along in your Bibles if you like. The Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. And the money changers sitting there making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus may often be viewed and spoke of as a lamb. A gentle, quiet, peaceful, fluffy, soft, warm, and cozy lamb. In fact, some never look to any other image of Christ except for this humble, gentle, lamb-like image. It is true that Jesus was kind. He is kind, gentle, humble, and offered forgiveness to, the re- to people regardless of sin, such as a woman caught in adultery in John 8. However, it is also true that Jesus was very quick to oppose those who were spiritually proud and spoke up against them and their actions. Do not ignore this. This is what we see here in this scripture. His condemnation of the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23 is also a good example of that. Among the names that Jesus used to describe the scribes and Pharisees in that passage are hypocrites, blind guides, fools, serpents, brood of vipers. I don't think anyone could describe that as being gentle, tolerant, or passive. Consider as well the very intolerant statement Jesus made in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the only way to salvation and righteous living. Who is Jesus? He is a lamb and a lion. And here people see him taking action. Why? Jesus came in the temple, and what did he find? Money changers, changers, animals, pigeons, commotion. All these things were necessary. Many animals would be sacrificed during the feast, the Passover. The problem was not the animals or the money changers. The problem was the location and the treatment at hand. The temple here was to be a place of worship and instruction. Instead, it was a place of business, a place of outrageous profit. Profit not for God's glory, but for their own money bags. The pilgrims traveling to worship were being ripped off. And in addition to this, instead of a place where one may come in expecting to hear prayers and songs be lifted up to the Lord, one probably heard nothing but the noise of animals and the smells too. And the clanking of coins. Here's another application. Do you come to worship the Lord? Or metaphorically, line your pockets for yourself? Do you come to worship the Lord? Or metaphorically, line your pockets for yourself? 
Are you looking more for what you can get yourselves or what you can give back to God? Are you looking more for your own profits or what God has to profit you for his will and plan? And I'm not speaking financially here. What makes this scene even worse is that these pilgrims, travelers, coming to the temple to worship at Passover were not being assisted to do so. They were being charged massively inflated prices, up to 20 times true value. In some ways, preventing them from worshiping as they needed to, turning them away from God and their very purpose of coming to the temple to begin with. Why was Jesus so angry? The temple courts here were supposed to be a place for learning of God and instruction and in how to worship him in prayer. It was supposed to be the place where the worship of God was showcased. Instead, it had become a place no different from what was around any pagan temple. The worship of God was turned into a money-making venture. Even worse, or more to consider, it was all being done by the very people who should be leading people to an act of worship, religious leaders in the temple we're allowing this. Jesus could not simply stand around and watch his father and place a worship of him be disrespected in such a way. God in God's temple of whom was to be worshipped and respected was instead disrespected. The way we worship and the way we lead others to worship matters. Let's further that application here. Do you worship God with reverence, with respect, with awe? For who he is, or do you disrespect him and make mockery of worship, sleeping on phones, talking about lunch plans? Are you here to worship the Lord? Let's take this step further. Jesus was angry because those people who may have traveled great distances to fulfill a great need to worship the one true and all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, saving God... We're not finding a place of worship, but a place of deception, of distraction, of commotion, and of people making mockery of what the place was designed for. Pastor John MacArthur states in his commentary like this. The sound of heartfelt praise and fervent prayers had been drowned out by the bawling of oxen and the bleeding of sheep and the cooing of doves and the loud haggling of vendors, money changers, and their customers. How could one worship in that scene? How do we worship here? How do we lead people to worship here? Forgive me on my pause. But that's a point to be focused upon. How do we worship 
And how do we lead people to worship here with what we do in these pews, with what we do in this building? But not just here. How do we do that in our lives? Because people are watching. Finally, we come to the identity and the deity of Christ. In some ways, this has been discussed already. Jesus is not simply a lamb. He is a lion and a lamb of God. Of God. But a proper view of who Jesus is must include seeing his deity, his authority. He is the lamb and lion of God, God's one and only begotten Son and the Messiah. Notice what Jesus says to those selling pigeons at verse 16. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Emphasis on my father's house. Not our, but my the Jewish leaders would later ask what authority had to do what he did in cleansing the temple. Well, Jesus had already shown it in fulfilling prophecy, in acting in accordance with God's word and law, and with a proper attitude for worship in the house of the Lord, the temple. But Jesus also had already stated his authority. He is the Son of God and the prophesied Messiah. Jesus further shows his deity in predicting his own death and resurrection and knowing the motives of man's heart in following him. Here's a question for you, an application. Do you recognize Jesus as the son of God, his deity? Do you follow him, worship him properly? Because worship matters. Are we often like these religious leaders asking for signs, asking for proof, asking of whose authority he makes such demands of our life? Or do you trust in God's word and who Jesus in God's word shows him to be? We must worship Christ the Messiah more fully with a better picture and understanding of who he is in all his deity as the son of God, the lamb and the lion as Lord. As we wrap up, I ask you to consider further applications. We've talked a lot of worship, your act of worship, how you help others worship, and your views of Christ and God in worship. But how about your anger? Jesus had anger and yet did not sin. He was righteously angered by the sin of the people. But even in his anger, he treated no animal wrongly, and man not too harshly. Why? Well, for one reason, because it is right to point out sin and to point out righteous living, living in God's will and ways. Jesus here simply, if I could use that word, helped remove the sinful actions from the scene. How do we, how do we treat people in our anger? Better yet, what do we get angered at? Jesus was not angry regarding anything of his rights or preferences. He was angered by what was happening against God and the act of prayer and worship not being respected as it should be. Do we get more angry about our rights and preferences than defending and acting upon proper worship of the Lord and living in his will and ways? 
We could go much, much further with this thought. We could go much further with all these thoughts in the scriptures today, but we're in here today. As we close, consider your worship, your attitude, your actions. Why do you come to worship? How do you treat that time of worship? Consider also how you help or detour others from worshiping the Lord. Finally, also consider what angers you and what does not. And how do you treat people in that anger? Do you point them to God and his word, his will, his ways, his deity, his authority? Or in your anger, are you simply pointing out your rights and preferences for your own glory? What do you get more angered by? The disrespect of God and his ways or the disrespect of you and the ways you want to live? We are told by God to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that we will be blessed when persecuted for his name's sake. We are told to love our enemies and even pray for those who persecute us. Jesus did not react when he was personally attacked. But when those who were supposed to teach others about God were perverted. Or that which was set apart for God's glory was desecrated. Then Jesus became angry and Words and actions followed. Let's get back to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not our own. Allow God to bless us now or in his future kingdom for doing this first. Worship him properly and help others worship him too. This matters. Be careful that your anger is for the right things and points people to God and righteous living and not away from him. Let's pray and close in prayer now. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And as hard as it is to read a different image of Christ, an angry Jesus, a righteously angry Jesus, we pray that we would learn from it. We'd apply it to our life. We'd consider how are we worshiping the Lord every day. And how do we help lead others to worship him properly as well? Do we see Jesus in all his deity, his authority? Do we recognize him as a son of God and one to be followed and lorded, allowed to lord over us? Do we get angry at the right things? And in our anger, do we point people to God and his word, his will, his ways? Or do we simply get angry about our own wants and desires in this life? May we be challenged in every way and every day to point people to you. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.